The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. Colin Cullis, uh, we want to protect citizens. We want the drug companies to get the vaccines developed quickly. We want to get those vaccines into as many arms as possible. But oh my goodness gracious me, it is fraught like a pothole-ridden road with complexity and U-turns and, and, and you know, lots of potentially very, very destabilizing factors. It is, Bruce. And, you know, sometimes it, 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 on the face of it, it doesn't appear that it should be so complicated. But politics, politicians, goodness gracious, are they able to complicate it? Notwithstanding that citizens play a major role in adding to the complexity and not complying and, you know, countering, etc., and uh, the third kind of component, I suppose, is big companies, particularly big pharmaceutical companies and their particular agendas and how they are willing to negotiate and what they're prepared to do and what they expect in return. And, and while for the most of this conversation, I am not going to be very complimentary to politicians uh, for not having done enough, for having not l- learned the lessons, for not having put things in place when they had ample opportunity to do so and to listen to very sage advice from medical experts that for the longest time have been looking at this particular problem. Uh, I I suppose for a side note, I should acknowledge that South Africa today uh, brought the the Cyber Crimes Act comes into effect. And so for the last while, when we were looking at various disruptions that have come to social media in in particular, and a lot of our laws that kind of tend to lag behind things that people can do online that that leaves you sort of high and dry, as it were, uh, the fact that that Cyber Crimes uh, Act has now come into place, making a lot of the things that we knew to be problems now actually criminal, not relying on you to have to go and sue somebody civilly to get something resolved, that the state now can actually come and challenge you for those things. So that is a positive, and I suppose slowly, slowly, these things do improve. And and the point of me picking up today, not just because we've saw the 4,000 cases uh, yesterday jump to 8,000 cases today, so very much that fourth wave on the way, certainly of Gauteng, uh, of, of the 8,000 cases, 6,000 are in Gauteng, uh, and the rest of the country is due to follow. But it was two years ago, almost to the day, that um, a, a case of measles outbreaks in Samoa had me consider what would the world do if there was a pandemic? Like, how disruptive might it be to business? Were this to come to pass? And at the time, uh, the World Health Organization and many other organizations had already given considerable time and effort to explain what needs to happen, what countries need to do to prepare, thanks to uh, the SARS outbreak that uh, Asia had uh, about much earlier uh, the century. Uh, but because it affected mostly Asian countries, a lot of African countries, South American countries, and certainly Europe and, and America sort of treated as a, well, it wasn't our problem. And so when uh, in late December 2019, the first cases were reported in Asia, some countries there realized what was coming. Taiwan in particular was particularly good at responding very quickly. Uh, but the rest of the world tend to drag its feet and sort of wait to see what would happen. And I suppose South Africa might fit into that that same category. Our first cases happened in March 2020, which in some respects, when you say March 2020, that wasn't that long ago. Uh, it wasn't. But in other respects, it feels like it was, you know, a very, very long time ago. Now, that outbreak in, in Samoa came as a consequence of, of people losing respect or lacking understanding or simply being misinformed about what vaccines do. And so the anti-vax sort of movement had sufficiently got enough people to not inoculate their kids and and measles started making an appearance. Uh, By December 2019, 3% of the population uh, had contracted measles. 
and they had to uh, shut down all gatherings, pretty much suspend all of the meetings that were, were due to happen, you know, coming up for Christmas and, and those celebrations. And they took the entire civil servants and, and seconded them to basically go on a big vaccination drive. And by the end of December, they did get um, Samoa back up to 94% uh, fully vaccinated by by sort of just complying, requiring people to, to absolutely do what they were told. Um, and it's kind of a disappointment in that, despite that having happened just in December 2019, as we went into 2020, and the announcements came through to, uh, you know, wear masks and, and social distance and all those other things, uh, a good chunk of the population, already the anti-vaxxer crowd, I suppose, would have been for, for the forefront of that, sort of seeing it as, a, as an infringement of their civil liberties, that it is a, a virus just like a regular flu and we have nothing to worry about it, as opposed to trusting medical experts and the people who study this far longer and far more than, than we do. And again, I suppose that intermediary between what we need to do and, and the medical experts are our politicians, our public representatives that are there to, to do what's in our best interest or as best as they can interpret it while still being, you know, they're listening to us, they kind of, they, they serve us. And just this week, I think we can see when South Africa said, listen, we found a, a, a new variant and, and shared that with the world for the global north and the UK in particular to decide, right, well, then we're shunning all the flights and we're closing the borders and we're putting everybody on red lists was exactly the thing that um, that established was not the right way to go. As soon as you treat a, a pandemic as an us versus them, you don't treat the us. And until the us is treated or us get treated, we keep going round and round in circles. And I, I know I'm preaching to the converted by telling you this, Bruce, but of course, if, if there are a portion of the population has got vaccines and another portion of the population has not, then not only are they definitely going to be more likely to get the disease, when they get the disease, the viral loads will be higher, the, 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 the virus will remain active longer, and this is where the mutations come from. So the notion that people might look and say, ha, ah, you know, another variant established in, you know, not in a rich country. Well, effectively, these variants are going to keep coming from countries where there is lower vaccine uh, ratios. And that's what we, we have to look to try and, and address. Uh, and, in, and in some respects, uh, you know, our South African scientists, I think, will always do the right thing. So say when you have to, you know, say when things happened. Uh, and some great reporting from News24 put the timeline together to say that it was first noted as sort of odd, uh, a different sort of sequence on the 4th of November. Uh, that was checked and, and go back to old sequences. Uh, unfortunately, I suppose at the time, there weren't that many positive cases. So so finding it was a little more tricky. Uh, and then checking in with the, the cases that were, were, were found in Botswana as well. So that by the 22nd, uh, pretty much the scientific community had said, we've established there is something. By the 25th, it become public. And then all hell break loose, for want of a better word, simply because this was uh, uh, justifiably uh, a variant of concern, but still too early to be able to say exactly what it will or, or won't do. And so, um, you know, in particular, the way the politicians, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single out Boris Johnson and the UK government, uh, mm. I think is going to exacerbate where these, these problems come from. Because not only had they made repeated mistakes with their own, uh, you know, plans for putting this in place, they are still committing those errors. They are still having um, somewhere in the region of 30,000 plus cases per day on the seven-day rolling average. Um, and even now when somebody's saying, well, you're coming up for Christmas, you're going to shut it all down, you're going to keep people apart from each other, they say, no, 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 you, you can continue to do that. You know, we'll, we'll rather get you to have a booster. There's nothing wrong with getting boosters. Go ahead. 
No, no, it just, it just strikes me the, the betting games that are going on. I mean, they, they've toyed with people's lives uh, for so long that uh, there's almost an ambivalence towards this. You would have thought, really think that they would take a, a far more serious view on it, not the knee-jerk sort of political responses, but scientific responses to, to various outbreaks and uh, what we're seeing happening you know, in the world at the moment. Well, you know, in some respects, I can completely understand the, the, the human emotional version of this. I mentioned Gauteng has 6,000 of the 8,000 cases. And so I'm pretty sure there'll be people in the Western Cape or KZN or somebody else say, ooh, we've got to watch out for the people of KZN, for Gauteng. We've got to try and isolate them and not allow them to travel. And, and that, would be, that would be doing what the UK did, as opposed to understanding to say, understand that it is now running there. It will spread everywhere. This is the time, the critical time, where you say, Western Cape, KZN, the rest of the country, get ready. Our neighbors, get ready. Anybody that is traveling anywhere, be more mindful. This thing is looking to be a lot more transmissible and, and a lot more infectious. So, so, so just take note of that. Get the vaccine now, if you haven't already, if you've been a bit hesitant and not quite sure, find what you need, speak to somebody, but don't sit on the fence and think, oh, let me just wait and see, because this is how this thing gets the better of us. And in some respects, and I'm, I'm going to quote one politician who I think is on the right side of this. Uh, it was an Australian senator who earlier this, this month um, was challenging a, a, a bill from the one party in, in um, one nation party in Australia, who were, who were trying to say that mandatory vaccines are a form of discrimination and they shouldn't be allowed. Uh, her name is, is um, Jackie uh, Lambie. And she kind of went, well, let me, for want of a better word, vile herself because of how outspoken she was about what she was saying. But the argument she makes for saying, understand that if you want to not take the vaccine, it is different from saying, I don't want to accept the consequences of not taking the vaccine. Let me play a little clip and just give you a sense of how angry she was and how passionately she spoke about this. If you want to work with vulnerable people, you need to do a police check. If you want to work with kids, you do have to have a working with children check. That is the way it is. And we do that to keep people safe. You can decide not to choose those checks. No one's forcing you. But if you don't do them, you can't work where you want to work. It's as simple as that. If you want to work as a cabbie, you need a license to drive a cab. People without licenses are not being discriminated against. If you want to work in aged care, you need to have a flu vaccine. And that rule has been in place before COVID-19 was even a twinkle in a Chinese bat's eye, for goodness sake. That's the way it is. You have a right to choose. You don't have a right to put vulnerable people's lives at risk. You don't have that right. Here's the thing. Being held accountable for your own actions isn't called discrimination. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. That's right as being an adult. It's putting others before yourself. And that's what this country's supposed to be about. I never thought I'd like an Australian politician. Magnificent. Magnificent. And the full speech, that's just the sort of minimum, the full 12 minutes, she really does tear into the politicians <laughs> and the people who are trying to get, you know, for people who don't know any better, I suppose is the way it is. And even in the UK, there is a, a crowd who are using the hashtag do not comply because they've been asked to wear masks again. And they're sort of like, oh, no, I've had enough of wearing masks. Now I don't care what happens. I'm just not going to wear a mask. And to some degree, uh, you know, when these things do spread, uh, younger people are more likely to be gregarious and go out and do whatever they want to do. They are unlikely to uh, experience the worst of it because they generally are fit and healthy. Um, but this is where that point that she's trying to make is 
We don't do this because it's in our interest. We do it in the interest of everybody. And the classic thing with vaccines is they're there to protect those who potentially can't protect themselves and to stop yeah. the virus from getting out of hand. Nobody wants the lockdowns. And the, the second element, uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up on this one, is with the big pharma companies. I made a, a big deal about the mRNA virus and how amazing it was uh, with, with the efforts that Moderna had done. Moderna was brilliant in actually creating what is still one of the most effective vaccines so far using this mRNA um, methodology. And they're looking to update theirs now to say if um, uh, Omicron is able to sort of circumvent the current vaccines, they can update it. But their share price, when we when we spoke about it in December 2019, was $20. It's at over $350 now. Their CEO is a billionaire and he's still holding he will not allow anybody else to make that vaccine. They're going to look to try and improve capacity, but only their own capacity. And they are charging full prices for that. $20 a shot, 300 bucks per shot, and you need two shots of it. That is the bit that is not sitting well with me for how this goes. No. If there was one element where I wondered, did we learn anything? Well, back in 2019, I asked, if you got the flu, would you stay at home? 37% of people said yes. Work if you feel okay? 34% said yes. Go get told to go home, i.e. you'd go to work and somebody has to tell you to go home, 13%, and demand antibiotics, which is a bit of a curveball because you don't use antibiotics for flu, and and 13% said so. I wondered what would happen if I did the exact same poll this evening. And to everyone's credit, that those who said stay home has risen now to 70%. Nobody said they would demand antibiotics. And unfortunately, there's still 4% who said they'll get told to go home. I've added some more details about uh, how this is breaking down uh, uh, online. Uh, one of the big issues over there is, of course, how many vaccines have been stockpiled by certain countries. South Africa is currently at 2.3 vaccines per person in the country. So our issue is getting people to go and get it and have it administered. But other countries like France and UK and the US have got six or seven vaccines available person. Canada, for some reason, has 10, 10 jabs per person. And that's the bit we need to start resolving now so the entire continent, the entire world can get those jabs. It's insane. Thank you very much. Colin Cullis with Business Unusual on a Wednesday.